Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent Customer survey: 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BolinBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code Listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more. That's code Listen at BlueNile.com for fifty dollars off your purchase. BlueNile.com code Listen. Welcome to On the Continent, where we bring you the biggest stories from all around European football. I'm Dotson Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Kartich. On today's show, we recap last night's chaotic German Super Cup, take a close look at Portuguese superstar João Felix, and we ask, can Inter challenge Juventus? And remember, if you've got some questions or things you'd like us to talk about, then you can email us at OTC at footballramble.com. So, Andy, should we start with the German Super Cup then? Uh, the result perhaps was not uh, unexpected. It, it wasn't, but the actual content of the game was something else entirely. I mean, I think it was a Super Cup that, that no one really wanted. There's been a discussion in Germany in recent days over whether it's something that could be shaved from the calendar entirely. I mean, I do feel that people think that about a lot of football at the moment, just because there's so much of it. And a lot of games that I guess aren't league games pop up and you're like, God, is this something we really have to deal with at the moment? Both teams have been beaten at the weekend, Bayern and, and, and Dortmund, Bayern surprisingly losing at Hoffenheim and fatigue definitely playing a part in that. And and Dortmund, I I suppose it was an unsurprising surprise them losing at Augsburg because that is the thing they do every every so often. Um, But the result, even though you look at uh, 3-2 to to Bayern and you think, well, that's that's a a fairly lively match. It it doesn't actually tell even half of the story because Bayern were far and away the better side in the the first half. Um, they, They could have been... Three or four nil up, really, quite, quite comfortably. Um, 
and it was only 2-1 because um, Julian Brandt got um, a goal back when it, from when it was 2-0 just before the, the, the break, which was completely against the run of play, Julian Brandt's goal. And interestingly, I, I read a stat, I think it was from our friend Archie Rintut, who was saying up until Julian Brandt scored that goal towards the end of the first half, the last 17 goals in matches between Bayern and Dortmund at the Allianz Arena had been scored by Bayern. <laughs> so it is it is Dortmund's dark place. They have difficulties there. And I think even though they've lost the Super Cup, they were excellent after the break. Um, Bayern struggled to really regain their momentum. They've made some changes to, to the team and stuff. But I kind of feel the fact that they were able to go to Dortmund able to go to Bayern, sorry, and at least for some of it, go toe-to-toe with them feels like a step on because there's been a massive mental block at, about Dortmund going to Bayern. Do you, not, do you not think that's been even more of a concern, though, that Dortmund were excellent mm. for a long period and they did go toe-to-toe with them, mm. but they still lost? That's that's going to mentally surely hit them. Well, and they, they had the chances to win yeah. and there was that one big chance when it was back to 2-2 and Holland went through, and it's funny you say about that, that that sort of not being able to quite get it over the line because everyone's talked about Manuel Neuer being back to his best, 2014 World Cup Manuel Neuer, and that save he made from Holland at 2-2 when he, he went clean through. But I don't know if he kind of made that save partly by reputation. Yeah, it's it's still a chance yeah. that Holland should have scored, even though yeah, it was an, even though it was an excellent save, and and he was very good as well. I thought Holland again. He was. He, he, I think. It's funny, every game, I think, you think you know Haaland, but he always, I think, I feel like every game he does something new and, mm. and you see just that little bit extra from him. He's so developed yet so raw. It's frightening. It's frightening where he's going to be in the next two years. Mm. Like, how good is he going to be then? And he's definitely not going to be a Dortmund then. No, he's, 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 so. he's not. Of, of course, lots of people talking about uh, Jaden Sancho as, as well. Um, him and uh, Roman Burki didn't play in the Super Cup because they're ill, not coronavirus still. Um, and uh, there was actually a Swedish newspaper that argued that the, the um, Sancho illness was faked and he cried off to try and... Um, I, I accelerate think, a transfer to Manchester United. I, I think that rumor started on Man United Twitter. I bet it did. I bet it did. Sources. Rumor with a rumor with a capital R. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think Dortmund are an immensely frustrating team and club. Look, we all admire what they do with young players and and, and the way they operate in the market. They make unbelievable money from players they sell on. Um. I think it's a frustrating club though. I think it's a frustrating, it must be difficult at times supporting them, I think. I think, funnily enough, the most frustrating thing for a lot of local fans of Dortmund and a lot of those who who, who go to the games on a regular basis normally is the, the fact that they feel that Dortmund have developed to become in a global sense maybe not what fans or the match going fans feel they, they, they should be. There there are some fans who believe that, you know, Dortmund's about uh about working class values, mm-hmm. ab- about soul and about the, the support in the stadium, about the yellow wall. Mm-hmm. And again, yellow wall's a relatively new term that's been that's been coined. But if you look at them post twenty thirteen, post the, the the Champions League final with Bayern, they sort of I, I don't know, charmed not just London, 
on that week before the Champions League final, but charmed the world really. Didn't yeah, they, they they were everybody. They were you know I hate to say this because I I think it's such a, a, a bad term. Go on, say it. Yeah, yeah, they, they were the hipsters team, yeah. and things move on as we as we know. I thought we were going to say everyone's second yeah, favourite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I feel terrible for using that term, but yeah, it's my terrible vocabulary, clearly. Um, but no, I think and and that obviously moves on. So some, so there's a new team now. I guess it's Atlanta right now, where where everybody's second team. Shall we yeah. Say. Um and. I don't know what they're in a funny place, Dortmund. Like you say, I, I, you know, when everybody looks at them, they look at their support, and I can completely understand that why they would be frustrating from some fans. And but I think the fans are frustrated. Some of the match-going fans are frustrated because they feel that the club, sort of, because of global demand, has become like a mini Bayern. Yeah. Because of course, you think about those that, that Holland and uh, Sancho, and now to a lesser extent, Bellingham and Reyna being front of house. But as we said on here before. You don't buy players like Hummels and Emre Can and their salaries and Tomo Munier to a lesser extent who yeah. had a dreadful miss during during the Super Cup when he absolutely cuffed loads over the top when it was 2-2. You don't have that to finish second. You know, yeah. you, you don't have those guys on the, on the wage bill to just tread water. And Emre Can wouldn't have... If, if they'd have said to him, come back to the Bundesliga... Second place every season, it would be magic. I mean, he's he's been playing for, he's he's been playing. You look at his background, mm. uh, the, the, the clubs he's been playing for. He's he's not come to finish second, yeah. so it is a difficult thing to hit because you've got to stay true to those values, and yet you're expected to compete with a team who are almost not competable with really because you look at their financial might compared to Dortmund, and even though you know, and Dortmund first won the league under Jurgen Klopp in. In 2011, you know, it was a it's a favourite um, phrase, wasn't it? How they had a lower wage bill than QPR. Obviously, part of that was to do with the wage bill that QPR were running at the time, <laughs> which was absolutely horrendous. But um, you know, they've moved on from that. They 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 can't say anymore. You know, you look at someone like Marco Royce. He's yeah. he's maybe a kind of symbol of how they're caught between two stalls. I mean, he came back and into this game. He'd been out injured since February. Played his first game, and I think it was 253 days. Started mm-hmm. his first game in 253 mm-hmm. days, and they've kind of moved on. They've moved on from him a little bit because I don't think they're especially reliant on him anymore yeah. because they couldn't rely on him because he gets injured all the time. But they're just they're just sort of reaching for something that's not quite reachable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and how much you know you'll know more than me on this, but how much does the coaching choice that they make have to play in that? Are they making the right choices? Because we're looking, I can already see now the, the discontent. Well, you could argue that Lucien Favre is their Niko Kovac because mm-hmm. they, maybe that's a bit harsh on Lucien Favre because he's he's done good work wherever he's done, but he's that nearly but not quite guy. But, uh, you know, you look, look at Bayern and they're double under Kovac. They won that double despite Kovac, not because of him. And the way they went into last season Bayern with Niko Kovac wasn't a reflection on their satisfaction with his work. It was a reflection on the fact they didn't feel there was anyone better out there. And with Favre, if you're going to pay him off, I mean, Lothar Matthias, who's a bit of an inconsistent pundit, it's fair to say, on on, on German television, uh, despite his playing career, Mm -hmm. came out and uh, said after that Bayern Dortmund game, uh, Dortmund Bayern game, I should say, post lockdown, where Bayern won and virtually stitched up the league, he was like, well, 
I should go for Niko Kovac. Because <laughs> it was just the biggest name he could think yeah. of out there. But the club realised there's no sense in that. You know, we need to be making a, a step forward. And, you know, winning is is nice. And winning would be winning the Bundesliga would be very nice for Borussia Dortmund. Mm. But in terms of as going back to what you were saying, Derek, that model of developing players, that's where the coach is super important. I mean, it's it's not it's not so much if we appoint the wrong coach, like maybe we'll have a bit of a shit run because you know Dortmund had a bit of a shit run before Christmas last year, and that stopped them from being in a position to to win the league. I mean, they were level with Schalke at the winter break, but if the development of those players stunts, is that an issue? Is the team too youthful? There's one big question at the moment. You don't win mm. anything with kids, do you? I, I, I never said that, by the way. I, I don't I don't think the... I know, it's Alan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> I think the kids aren't the problem. I think you have to look at senior players. And I do think you have to look at the coach. because I, I think it's the coach. I don't know what you think, David, but they concede the same goal. Over and over and over again. You look. You look back at um, the one against Augsburg last week, and you know the, the the one thing you can count on in German football life is you know death, taxes, and Daniel Caligiuri scoring against Dortmund. But that ball over the top for a thirty-two-year-old, albeit a very good thirty-two-year-old, to score his customary goal against Dortmund. How can this keep happening to them? Isn't that just identity and mental block? No matter if you keep changing the coach. It's just there at that club and it takes somebody special to lift it. And that kind of brings me on to my next point. Next summer, say they sell Sancho for $120 million. Okay. They could still sell him this summer. Yeah, yeah, they could. They, no, they could, they could. They could. Yeah. Wait, say, say they don't. Say they keep yeah. him for one more year. They sell him Yeah, presu- presume Manchester United's ears remain gummed <laughs> when they listen to how much he's actually going to cost. <laughs> um, buy a replacement for lower cost. And then why don't they put their money behind, say, Nagelsmann or Magoros? Like an actual coach who could develop like those that. younger players. Because I, I feel like, like I feel like I feel like the kind of like what PSG were doing. They just weren't getting that top coach, that right coach mm. who could clearly move them on. They were just getting somebody just under the top tier. Yes. So why don't Brussy Dortmund do that instead of putting the money behind the player? Let's just say Hmm, maybe it's the coach. We've got a nice squad here. We've got lots of exciting young players. Yeah, Let's think, get an exciting young coach. But, but well. Lucien Favre has done nothing wrong, is what you said a moment or two ago, wasn't it, Andy? No, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's someone who can take you to a certain point, but he can't take you beyond that certain point. I think the aspirations of Dortmund, if they are genuine in terms of wanting to dominate in Germany, mm. then I think they have to get somebody like Nagelsmann. Otherwise, they're going to keep hitting the same wall, conceding the same type of goals. Yeah. Players are going to keep hitting the same ceiling as well. And also as a player, maybe Sancho, maybe Haaland look at it. And, and yes, of course, they're going to go at some point. They're going to leave at some point. But maybe they look at it as well. And they're not really inspired by what they're seeing as a coach. They'll just see mm. it. They'll continuously see Dortmund as a shop window, a potential stepping stone. If Nagelsmann comes in, maybe he could change that and say, right, we're going to be the best. We're going to be one of the top elite clubs in, in Europe now. It's a really interesting point. I wonder what will happen next for, for Nagelsmann. Because clearly... Um, Bayern is a door that's shut for him because of what's happened with Hansi Flick despite the fact he wore a red coat to several successive games in a come and get me plea when he was uh, still back with Hoffenheim that's the way but to do I think it is the way to do it but I, I think if you, if you look at Nagel's man I, I don't know what you you guys felt but I felt when they got to the semi-final of the Champions League rather than me thinking well, this is a brave new dawn for Leipzig and they can go on f- so much further than here I felt this is the ceiling 
if you don't get experienced players and they've no interest really in buying experienced players, they want to buy 20, 21, 22 year olds, fatten the calf, sell them on. Um, without those experienced players, you don't go on and win trophies. Now, now, going back to your point, Dot, and people like Dortmund have looked at that, like we said, in bringing in Hummels and John. And it's it's important, not just in the results, but in developing those players, I think, to have those established pros around them who've, who've done it at the top level. So whether you're there to sell players or whether you're there to win trophies, those players are important, period. But I just wonder with Nagelsmann, especially as last season petered out, if there was a bit of him that thought, how much further am I going to go here? Because we know he's an incredibly ambitious guy. Let's come back to Dortmund mm-hmm. on another occasion and we'll, we'll we revisit will. it, no we doubt, will. no doubt. Ich glaube es war Reus, ich weiß es nicht. Sagt es mir, warte, die ja, Zeit bekommt. Warte kurz, warte kurz. So, as you can see, uh, by the way, obrigado, obrigado. Andy, obrigado, obrigado, David. As you can see, I've been learning some Portuguese. And uh, let me try some of my Portuguese on you. To fit in with our new ruler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, el mapa uh, de de calor uh, de João Felix contra... Uh, Granada. La, la, not just Granada, La Granada. <laughs> you know what? You've been reading off those Spanish websites again, <laughs> Dotton. Uh, <laughs> honestly. Not bad, though, eh? Not but bad. It's, it's, it's all right. Bad. I haven't got a clue what I said, so you might want to explain it. Yeah. Oh, I love the way you look at me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, of, of course, well... David wants to wax lyrical on João Felix and he starts the season with, with Atletico. I can see and, why. I can and, see and we why, need actually. to. But of course, he dominated their first game of the season against mm-hmm. Granada in a way we'll talk about in a minute. But there's this really bizarre story with Granada's sponsor, who we won't mention here. They're an online betting company. Um, they did, or whoever they left in charge of social media, uh, did a heat map what they said was a heat map, as you say, of João Felix against Granada. And it was a heat map done in the shape of what can only be described as a phallus and a pair of buttocks. Well, hold on, not only described, I described it in a different way, but you carry on. I will. (laughs) I've started digging this hole and I'm going to carry on. And um, Granada, understandably, I'm not that happy with their main sponsor. They put out this very annoyed statement saying, uh, we'll defend the institution by any means necessary. This institution of 89 years standing, et cetera, et cetera. But what on earth were they doing there? They, yeah, I mean, it was just wild, that sort of thing to do. But that's the nature of social media. Somebody did have that idea and thought, oh. This, this looks good, but... Now or never. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They, they were fucked inside 90 minutes and then also <laughs> fucked after the game, so <laughs> it, was, it was a bad deal. Was, that, was that the point that the sponsors were trying to make? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was, yeah? yeah, and d- yeah. does everybody get that point? Do all the fans get that point? Because oh, I think that's oh, clear. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was very literal. <laughs> Andy's been really polite about it. <laughs> Clearly the club gets the point. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. And did they disagree? Is that why they're considering legal action? Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're pretty pissed off. I mean, they, they, they arrived at Atletico as, as league leaders. They'd won two out of two. Mm-hmm. But uh, Atletico, obviously, after their Champions League exertions, it, it's, it's strange because that, that match, I, I, I do wonder, David, if, if we go backwards to 
the quarterfinal against Leipzig that we sort of touched on in the last section. Mm-hmm. The way Joao Felix came on and grabbed that game by the scruff of the neck, is that going to be a turning point in his Atletico career where he says, okay, Simeone's way is Simeone's way, but this is my team now? Look, you'd hope so. You really, really would, but you don't get anybody more, you know, thick-skulled, pig-headed than Simeone. So to change his mind... Look, I mean, come on. If he hasn't changed his ways after Champions League final defeats, failing to, you know, get into the top two of of La Liga, he's not going to change it for a little Portuguese kid who looks like a surfer, you know? (laughs) That that ain't going to be the way. So, but it, it should be the way. Let's 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 clarify that. Um, tell us more about this performance against Granada. He was just sensational. It was, you know, the best compliment I can give to him. There was one particular pass in which he set up a goal. There's only Lionel Messi who I've seen pick that type of pass. That right. that sort of pitch pass where it looks like there's no angle and, and there's no, but the arch on the pass that Felix produced was sensational it's ridiculous it's one of those like when Messi just picks it up maybe 25 30 yards from goal um, and there's a player maybe on the back post and he just manages to put it in the exact spot the only place that it could be and Felix did exactly the same here and that was just one thing he he was everywhere he was assisting provoking penalties running the team in a way that prime Griezmann was last and they, they always looked upon Joe Felix when they brought him in to be their new Griezmann and I think that's a lot to take on considering how influential Antoine Griezmann was there. Why wasn't he playing like this last season? Xavi Felix. If yeah. he had been playing like this last season, the, the entire European continent would have been watching his game. Mm. And he'd be getting offers from all over the place. Two reasons. Um, I think first, first and foremost, he came from Benfica and he arrived at the club with such a specific set of style and training as well. And I think his body... He had a lot of injuries last season, culminative injuries, uh, different strains, muscle pulls, and in training as well, not just in, not in games, in training. So I think it was really, really hard on his body, and he was just adapting to do a lot of gym work. To maybe at Benfica, he was he was playing a lot more with the ball. It led to a lot of gym work is involved. Gym work, not surfing. <laughs> and surfing as well. Of same, same. <laughs> not, not really possible in Madrid, is it? Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I, th- I think the interesting thing when you're talking about getting used to working under under Simeone, mm. it, it will take time, especially yeah. for a forward player, and especially for a forward player so young. It was interesting. Um, I, I wrote something for the Independent recently about uh, Diogo Jota when he signed for Liverpool, and talking about when you know. I know you talked, David, before about how maybe Atletico. Mr. Trick, they've had some quite unsuccessful forward signings in mm. recent years. And they signed Diego Jota and then he got never rid kicked, of him. He never, kicked, he never kicked the ball. Please, no. please try, and, uh, try and Google image search Diego Jota in an Atleti shirt. It's a bit of a hard find. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's right. And what, what he did say, though, I remember when he, when he was at Porto, where he got loaned out to from Atletico Madrid, and he made it relatively clear that, right, it wasn't his cup of tea at all, like the way Atletico liked to yeah. play football with Jota. But he said it was it was a fascinating learning experience because he did an, a month and a half of pre-season with Atletico. And he said, first day, he said, you know you've been working. He, he said there were players like throwing up and stuff. Jackson, was... Jackson Martinez, I'll never ever forget. One of the best images I've ever seen was, was his first week in training. I think it was about his second day. And Atleti were just doing a video for social media of training and, and just out of shot, 
Jackson Martinez was at the Atleti training complex under a tree just being sick oh god <laughs> 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 and look you hadn't been out the night before anything it was just literally it was the first week of pre-season training so you've been off you've You've been eating, uh, you know, parillas and things like that and, and having a good time. And then you come in and then Professor Ortega, you know, is there. Oh, basta, 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 basta. Like, so, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> is that a fitness coach? Yeah, yes, yeah, Professor Ortega. Ortega. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, And there's a lot of controversy about him as well. Some Aleti fans do want him out because of all the muscle injuries and such. What, what you know, build up over the year. But that's a discussion for another day. But probably. now Atletico have not just got Jao Felix, this wonder kid, potentially. Um, the comparison that David made with um, with uh, Messi there depends on how he's allowed to play, I imagine. Yes. Um, how he fits into the system or how the system fits into yeah. him might be another question. But I wonder whether the the you know the development of Jao Felix and the appearance now of Luis Suarez makes this a formidable as the French would say front line or not yeah i think basically that all the all the atletico forwards need each other i think because of that heavy physical load you can't including have... diego costa obviously yeah, yeah absolutely and you know, maybe in the next couple of days they 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 find a way for him to, to leave the club. They're, and they're trying so so hard. They've been trying mm-hmm. all summer. I because think they want Suarez rather than him. Well, no, they they uh, want they want Cavani to go with Suarez as well. Ah, yeah. uh, I see. Okay, yeah. Yeah. interesting. So I mean, I mean, if you're talking about hard running forwards, I mean that would pretty much complete the set, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? And that's what Jao Felix needs ahead of him. He needs forwards who move. Costa doesn't move very much anymore. And Suarez um, can't move as much as he used to. Yeah, yeah. There's only pretty much Carrasco outside of Jao Felix who who moves on that team, I'd say, in, in an aggressive manner. Um, and, and yes, all the hoopla is about Luis Suarez. I, I completely understand that. But Hell of a debut. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. impre- incredible. But it was possible because of Jao Felix. And Jao Felix is the most important player at that club. He's the best footballer at that club. And for me, he can be the best. Look, Eden Hazard's done for a month. So for me, that leaves a window. Jao Felix can be the best player in the league this season alongside Leo Messi for me. Absolutely. That is quite some compliment. Um, and it will definitely get clipped for social media, so there's no avoiding it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind. I'm happy to stand by it. But, He's you assuming know, it. Yeah, D- Diogo Simeone is going to completely fuck it all and me, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared. And, and to, just to round up this segment, is it true? Did did he, <clears throat> going back to that, to that uh, advert... <laughs> Did, did he do what that advert implied that he did to uh, Atlanta? Uh, truth always uh, sorry, hurts. Granada, apologies. Um, Granada. Truth always hurts, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? I mean, what, what I said at the time is that and what you're saying about Luis Suarez and how it was possible for him later on, Like, it, it must be the worst thing. You get the runaround from Joao Felix for 60, 60, 70 minutes and then you bring on Luis Suarez. And that's what I'm talking about, like balancing what yeah. they've got in the squad. Simeone needs to use his subs really well mm-hmm. and that's something he's not done brilliantly in the past he's, especially when they're hanging on to a lead he's made quite defensive substitutions he's not really got any excuse for that now has he? Absolutely and, and, and to answer Dorton's question sorry there yes all night long and then once in the morning <laughs> indeed, indeed, <laughs> just, I'm not going to let it end there because there is just one more quick I can't let it end there one more quick question um it's the right time, isn't it, for Atletico to be making a proper challenge for the Spanish league, certainly. You would have thought that now with Barcelona and Real Madrid going through a transition period, yes. um, a generational transition period as well, this might be the season for Atletico. But will it be? 
and Sevilla as well, by the way. Yeah, I, I think I think he could be. I, I, I tend to think Sevilla may be a top-class striker short. I think maybe that's their issue. But Barcelona started very well under under, under Koeman against um, Villarreal, but they always beat Unai Emery team, so I'm not sure really how much we can judge from that. Um, as we're recording, we've just seen Atletic, um, Real Madrid sorry, just squeak past Valladolid last night. And what really struck me about that, David, Valladolid weren't scared of them no. at all. The aura isn't there anymore. What Real Madrid used, to, what Real Madrid did have. I think, you know, I always thought it was a Manchester United trait as well. When you're on top like that, that a it's, goal. It's goal. not playing at the Bernabeu part of that. Sorry. Yeah, think? I think so. But I think they went away. I think some teams looked at their bench as well, and they thought, oh, okay, even if we get to seventy-five minutes, they can bring uh, Isco on. They can bring other people. You know, mm. but. He, you know, he looks like a footballer completely just, just fed up with his life, you know, yeah. for instance. So they haven't got that aura anymore. You get to 75 minutes now against Real Madrid and you think, oh, I think we can, I think we can see this out. There's yeah. just, I'm looking around and you're like, who's going to do something? Who's going to change the game? Who's the game changer there? And then even on the bench as well, whether it be on the field. And I think teams now can, and that's what I mean, via the lead, you made a great point. They just didn't look scared. They just thought, we can do this Courtois was arguably the best player wasn't he yeah I mean which is staggering and, and via the lead don't get me wrong are, are, are a nice team but they're, they're not an attacking side they're pretty mm. much defensive side first so for them to, to cause that amount of problems was interesting um, but sorry to, just to go back with what and said um, we say this about Aleti every year we also said about them in the Champions League last season as well we said oh with this crazy format this is the chance for Aleti potentially to you know to do it the big sides have fallen um, and and they didn't. And I just worry that they're going to leave us disappointed again. And if there was one team going to challenge Real Madrid and Barcelona, it would be Sevilla. With that big caveat of they have to get a striker. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. 
be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watched with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself and I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. So let's pick up on another item of conversation, which is what's going on in Italy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Ju- Juventus are going to just win the league again, aren't they? They're just going to trounce everybody. Are they? Are they? Is there a question? Is that a question I, or is I that think, rhetorical? Yeah, I, no, I, th- I think it is a question because um, what we've seen of Pirlo's Juventus so far is obviously a very small sample size. We've seen them batter an absolutely hopeless Sampdoria who've been out to, to, to get a few more players since. They've um, um, been out to get um, uh, Antonio Candreva and Keita Balde as, as, as well. Um, and then Juventus like had a far harder game at Roma last weekend. And Roma, who are still in a sort of somewhat unfinished state but but they should have won that game and Edin Dzeko who of course almost went to Juventus should have scored the goal to polish Juve off when they were down to 10 men in the end Cristiano Ronaldo came back and scored his second goal for the equaliser but I really wanted to look at Inter because the question it's not only on what Juventus do it's on what Inter uh, are capable of doing or don't do yeah yeah. exactly so so far we've had two league wins from Inter. Jobs are good against Fiorentina and Benevento. Oh, that was a tight one against Fiorentina though. Gosh. But in, in, in those two, it, that was amazing. And we'll yeah. come back to that game in a minute. But last night they played Benevento who, despite the magic of Pipo Inzaghi, I think will, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll just be pleased to stay up. And Inter, yeah, they came out of the traps really fast there and they played well, won 5-2 in the end. But that does mean that having played Fiorentina and Benevento, They've conceded five goals in two games, which doesn't feel particularly sustainable to, to me. And their defending is really quite chaotic at times. I mean, I suppose the other side of that is when you see a performance like Ashraf Hakimi's first start um, as he made against Benevento. 
creates a goal for Lukaku inside 30 seconds, you think, mm-hmm. well, there's going to be a lot of them this well, season. Yeah. yeah. And Lukaku is probably the player of that Fiorentina match that I saw from the inter-perspective. Yeah. But I think what Andy says, David, is really quite pertinent that it's what Inter don't do maybe that will decide the Italian championship. And you could see against Fiorentina that Fiorentina were slightly surprised, mm-hmm. elated, obviously, but mm-hmm. to be leading, were they 2-0 up at the beginning? Was it 2-0 initially? 1-0 um, uh, up and then 3-2. Okay, 3-2. Yeah. But they were leading into very crucial points of the match and it seemed like Inter were lucky to get that last-minute goal against them. They, they have the look of a team, I think. And I think they will win the league, you know, just to put that out there. What, Inter? Yeah. Okay. I think they'll just stumble and, and look their way through it while Juve go through a learning curve with Pirlo. Mm. I can see them completely capitalising on the fact that Juve are finding themselves in this, this kind of new direction that they're taking. So I can see, and, and don't get me wrong, it will be a very ugly, unsatisfying kind of league win but the it best will, type of title win yeah <laughs> really but it will but, but, but it would be a league win and, and that, that's all that matters um, I don't think I think everybody else all the other teams in, in Italy are, are kind of neither here nor there you know you've got Atlanta who are exciting of course you, you, Roma who are you said they're in an unfinished state. I feel like they're permanently in an unfinished state. Yeah, they're, they're I, the Sagrada <laughs> Familia of Serie A, basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're yeah. going to be finished in 2032, honestly. And then, <laughs> but we won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like Inter's mentality in terms of how they operate in the market looks to me like all the eggs in the basket, everything to win this year. Mm. And if they don't, right, that's it for Conte. That's it for this kind of era, and then they'll move to a new direction. So, I mean, I I don't know what you think, but because they're assembling like quite and on the whole, and obviously you, you have exceptions like Lukaku is in, in his prime, Hakimi is going to be brilliant for years mm. to come. But because they've invested so heavily in old players for the squad, and we saw Kolarov starting his first game, Arturo Vidal starting his first game in Benevento, and Benevento was such a shambles at the back, Vidal almost scored a back post header, that's, mm-hmm. that's how open they were. It, it does have strong um, Jose Mourinho into yeah, vibes. That's what I mean, you know, that's going to be like, a like similar the, the, yeah. the, the second he walks away from it, the building behind him will crumble <laughs> into like a, a cloud of brick dust, won't it? Yeah, or you can see them coming out, it's oh, Conte, he set the club back two or three years with what he was maybe, doing. Sort maybe, maybe. And we tried to do everything for him, but he still couldn't do it. And then he'll go into the Milanese night. Talking of old guys, though, mm. we need to have a word uh, for Frank Ribery. Oh, he's, he's still amazing. He may be old, but he's still got it. He's, he was he was just incredible in that game mm. at, at, at San Siro. And, you know, when you th- when you think for the, for the third goal, the one that put them 3-2 up, mm. the pass through, oh, it's just... He Unbelievable! Cut through the entire how's, pitch, half of the pitch. He, he, he deserves a gold stake for that. How's well. he do? I was about to say. I was about to bring up the gold stakes. How is he doing this? Is it by solely being on a diet of gold stakes? <laughs> well, the is, thing is, <laughs> if there's one place you were going to do that, it would be Florence, wouldn't it? Yeah. Famous for its steaks. Mm. I, I, I don't know how they feel about colouring steaks in uh, yeah. particular <laughs> ways. I sense what what Frankie wants. Frankie gets. Yeah. Is he earning good, mo- good money there? He's, he's the top earner of Fiorentina. Still on a big wedge. Yeah. He hasn't exactly. Yes, he is. Although he, he, he took a cut from what he was on a, ah, a, right, a, a okay. Bayern. I mean, he could have gone to 
the Middle East and mm-hmm. made him made himself a, a, a load of money. But he decided he wanted to play for a competitive team in a competitive well, league. Why did he never come to the Premier League out of interest? I mean, even when he went to Bayern after the World Cup, I think, where he did mm. very well, you wondered, well, hang on a second, why are you going to Bayern rather than what, the Spanish League or well, the Italian League, one had, of the top teams in so the many, Premier League? Well, he had so many moments, Dotton, where he, 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 he could have left Bayern. And it was maybe a consideration, but I think it's, it's something that's quite underrated about Bayern. That it's quite a, it's quite a family club, and that's something that, that that he really felt. They were patient with him while it took him three, four years he had to, a good to learn German as well, though, didn't he? With um, Iron Robin as well. Yeah, they did. Uh, they were very much like brothers, mm. uh, arguing like cat and dog, yet yet propelling <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the the team with their two enormous egos as well. Which was fantastic, but uh, the, the the fact that that competitive spirit is still really alive in in Ribery, I, I love because the fact yeah. that, that he, he could he could have made himself a fortune, yeah. but no, he comes to, to Fiorentina, you know, which is a real like, it's a real football fan's choice, isn't it? To to, to go to mm. Fiorentina, he steps off the plane onto the tarmac, and he says, "Thanks for having me. I'm really delighted to be here." In Italian. And you know, there's there's good, this there's good, there's this, good. but I think especially with Ribery, there's this like, like image that's followed him around his whole career as if he's he's a bit thick, and I think that's what he resented actually with the whole gold stake thing because mm-hmm. he, he got really bullshit about that and he's like, to hell with you, it's my money, mm. and I, I think that what he feels is particularly in France and French society can be quite classist that he thinks you think. You think I'm because I'm from a state in Boulogne. I'm I'm trash. You know, You're I, right, I, 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 I don't I don't have the right to do this. Well, actually, I'll do what I want. You actually are absolutely right, and and that is the premise of the kind of Lahaine film, that exactly. era of movie exactly. making that came about. Um, the the one thing though, as we round up this segment of the uh, program, you know, we started off talking about, or at least David, you were talking about um, Zhao Felix's wonder pass as he were mm. the way that he curved the ball around in an almost impossible angle when I look at that pass for that goal for Fiorentina for by Ribery I that I can't see any pass beating that this season mm-hmm. and it's it shows just how fine the margins are because when he passes the ball and cuts diagonally across half of the entire pitch yeah all the striker has got to do is lob it over the keeper at that point and the keeper gets a hand yeah. to it. And there was one moment like, no! <laughs> oh, thank goodness, it was a goal. Please Otherwise, we some, wouldn't be talking about that pass. Have some aesthetic decency. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about that pass, it's would a, we? It's, a, it's, a, I mean? it's a bit like when Ryan Shawcross tried to clear um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic's overhead kick comparison. off the line. Good comparison. Outrageous behaviour. That's a good comparison. <laughs> it's a of behaviour that gets you never picked for England again. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, unless there's any other business, can I prompt you to give us your games of the week? It's all about the games of the week, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go for uh, Lyon versus Marseille. I think there's, there's a lot going on here because... Um, <laughs> There's, there's there's quite a nastiness in these games between Lyon and Marseille, even though they're not one another's top rivals. No, for, 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 for Lyon, the main rivalry is Saint-Étienne. And for Marseille, the main rival is, is, is Paris Saint-Germain. And 
you know, that we've a just long about, way away from Marseille. They uh, could have had an easier rivalry with Nice or something like that. Uh, ex- ex- exactly, but it's 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 a battle for the soul of France course, when those two play together. <laughs> but, Vive la France! But there is, there is a, a lot of hate between Lyon and, and Marseille, and neither of them are in the best nick at the moment. Um, Leon uh, having this squad restructuring I think they've done quite well in this transfer market actually because they've got rid of a lot of the the chaff around the squad which I think particularly in this market is quite difficult to do Um, obviously that could change in the next couple of days there could still be a move for Usem Awar there could still be a move for uh, uh, Jeffrey Adelaide who in the words of Damian Lillard scared of the grind <laughs> and uh maybe maybe could be heading for well, share the joke i missed that one oh, well well the Dam- damien lillard of the portland trailblazers uh dropped on paul george after he ragged him wrong continent that, that, mate. that he yeah. that he was he was scared of the grind for moving teams and uh, like he had a tough first season rain adelaide got loads of talent former arsenal youth player um but it, it, basically he was annoyed that as soon as he got fit he didn't get straight back in the team and he he, he did this sniffy interview on international duty he said right well i don't really see myself here anymore actually so we're, we're gonna see it looks like ren who he wanted to go to aren't prepared to go the full way for him so his offer is from herter which, you know, it's a nice, ambitious club, but not not what he dreamed of in the first place. Anyway, they've got in Lucas Paquetar, who had a good start after coming from Flamengo to to Milan, but didn't really work out in the end. Obviously, he's brought in by Janinho. There are other Brazilian players around him. He's good mates with Bruno Guimaraes, who plays in midfield with, with Leon. So there are opportunities for him to get somewhere. But quite how Leon are going to look. Rudy Garcia, their coach, is really under the pump. Former Marseille coach, never liked by the fans. And then you've got Marseille, who had that raucous win at Paris Saint-Germain, the first time they've beaten them in nearly nine years. You had those five players sent off in the brawl at the end. They've kind of over-celebrated it since. In three home games since, they've uh, lost one and come within a whisker of losing the other two, which they've both drawn. Um, so a bit of the wind has come out of their sails. And of course, we had this news yesterday from the Neymar and Alvaro Gonzalez contretemps during that game and at the end of that game that neither of them are going to be punished for the alleged racial insults and of course it was counter-alleged and homophobic by, apparently yeah by, 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 by Neymar and it was it was, it was a, um, alleged counter-alleged by Marseille that um, Hiroki Sakai the Japanese right back of, of Marseille had been racially abused by, by, Neymar. by Neymar yeah <laughs> that was weird that's you, just like do you think they'd just ducking it here, by the way, the French FA. They, they don't want to make a decision, oh, this is how much you should get for homophobia. This is how much you should get for racism. Do you think it's a decision they just don't want to make? So they thought, right, just clear everybody. Let's well, just they, try they, and they've, they've got a bad record on this. Like I said yeah. um, before, th- th- there was um, a few issues uh, with abuse directed towards Ma- Mario Balotelli and they didn't deal with that well at all. I mean, what they've put forward is that the, the video evidence isn't watertight. Yeah. And, and I, I understand where they're coming from, but there is like a deep sense of frustration amongst some fans in France and amongst some media people as, as well uh, that, that it's not been dealt with. And th- there, there is quite a feeling clinging to it of maybe when it got to the point when Neymar was going to get punished as well, 
they don't want the superstar of the championship I'm to be banned. I'm not sure it's entirely about that because, you know, although all football associations in Europe, on the continent, and here in the UK as well, have got a lot to answer for in dealing with issues, yes. these sensitive issues. But it's a really frustrating one. You know, in one of the most difficult legal, in the courtroom, legal mm. um, challenges to face is when there are three different parties who were put up as defendants mm -hmm. and they all have a different perspective on Absolutely. the same thing. Absolutely. There's not much you can do. You know, people mm. get away with murder, literally, yeah. in our courts when there are three different opinions because then where does the court go? If there's two people, one argument against another, when you throw in a third person, as Quentin Tarantino knows from his standoff, <laughs> his gun standoffs, where, where do you go to? Do you turn left or do you turn mm. right? Yeah, it is, it is difficult. Um, but either way, it means Alvaro, who is hugely important to Andre Village Boas from Marseille is is allowed to is allowed to play on and um we'll see how he and Marseille get on at, at Lyon this weekend because it's going to be a bad look for whoever loses that. So Lyon and Marseille Andy's uh, match of the weekend mm -hmm. Sunday uh, night. Sunday night. So what's your match of the week then David? Um Sunday October 4th 8 p.m. Barcelona versus Sevilla. This feels like a two screen setup sort of business to me. <laughs> you lucky people. Happen. Yeah. There you go. The red zone's going to be on at the same time as well, so it's going to be three screens for me, so it's going to be a busy night. You need to get yourself an extra iPad. <laughs> yeah, mate. yeah, I think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting game. Uh, Rakitic going back to Barcelona the first time. Um, and also we get to see how serious Sevilla are about this push. Um, because in previous years, I think there's been games like this when you're like, all right, this is the time we, you know, Atleti can capitalise on, on Barcelona or Real Madrid's uh, in, in no form in decision at the moment so it'll be interesting and hopefully not that I want to see Barcelona get beat or anything I've got one particular you know side here but it would be good to see Sevilla get that win and, and just really say right there's going to be more to the league this year I think it'll set up some intrigue it's good for the competition if, if, if they don't win it's, it's, it, I think it's really good it also it'll you know, you know Barcelona's just in such a vulnerable position right now <laughs> all levels you, you know off the field on the field they don't really know where they are. Sevilla, complete opposite. The identity that's been carved out by Hulen, Lopetegui and Wanchi together, working together. The team very clear in their ideas. Like myself and Andy have just said, they're probably short of a striker. But other than that, they look very, very good. So show us how good you are. Don't let us know. Excellent. Thanks very much. What a pleasure. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.